Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, I'm desperate for you. And as the song said, I'm lost without you, Lord. And I ask you, God, not only that would be a song this morning, but it would be a heart. And our minds, Lord, would be desperate for what you have for us, Lord. As we continue worshiping, and as we open the bread of life, Lord, if there's one who's lost, Lord, I ask you, God, they'd be desperate, Lord, realizing they were lost and you would draw them to you. Well, Lord, maybe a Christian this morning that's filled with other things, that's other priorities or things are on their mind, Lord, I ask you, God, you would clear their minds and clear their hearts and they'd be desperate. Lord, desperate for your word, desperate for your spirit, desperate, Lord, for what you have for their life. Lord, we live in such a busy world, Lord, where everything else just pollutes our minds, and even on Sunday morning. But, Lord, this morning, Lord, I ask you, God, just move in a mighty way. You'd speak to our hearts and would be hungry for what you have for us, Lord. We just thank you and we praise you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, you take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts. I want to look at the early church this morning. I was going to start a new series at, um, on just looking at church membership. And, um, but, but this morning as I began to study and, 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 and prepare the, or, or look at the first message and was, was ready to preach it this morning, I just felt like God leading me in a different direction this morning. And I, God don't do that often. Normally I, I'm, I'm well prepared, but I just feel like God wants me to look at the early church. So we're going to look at the synopsis of the early church and just kind of unpack. You know, I'm not a long-winded preacher. But we're going to go from chapter 1 to chapter 8 in one sitting. Amen. So if you hold your Bibles and have your pew seats on and hold on, and we'll go. Amen. And then we'll have a business meeting following. But I just feel led just where God wants me to go this morning as we look at the early church and we look at the early church membership. You know, most churches in America want to be the most influential. They want to be the fastest growing. They want to, hey, they want to do all these great things. But to God... That's not success, amen, necessarily. But the man it is. And so I just want to look at the early church and look at what God did in the early church and say, hey, well, the God in the early church is the same God we serve, amen. He can do the same thing then, and he can do the same thing now. So Acts chapter 1, start reading in verse 8. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven, and then return they into Jerusalem for the mount called Olet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So we see as they begin, they open up. Hey, Jesus comes and says, look here. It's just kind of like in Matthew when he gives them the final charge. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. Amen. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what's God called the church to do? He's called us to be witnesses, amen? He's called all of us. He didn't call just a certain amount. He called the church. 
And then I find it interesting, after he gives them a charge, he's been taken up to heaven, and they just sit there and begin to stare and just look into heaven. You know, and, and if, if you're taking notes this morning, you know I like to use everything in alliteration. That's why I said I'm, I'm going to call this the synopsis of the early church. But I call this portion of Scripture the staring. They're just staring, they're looking, and they're looking at Jesus and all. And, and, but Jesus just told them to go, amen. But they're just still staring. And I tell you, there's a lot of churches in America that are just staring and waiting for Jesus to come back. And he is going to come back. But the Bible says we're to be witnesses. We're not to sit there and stare. And a lot of you just staring at me. Hey, God didn't call us to stare. He called us to serve. Amen. He called us to go to be witnesses unto him. But then we can see we move from chapter 1 to chapter 2. And this is where the gift begins. God begins to give the gift of the Holy Spirit in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind as it would fill the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as fire as it set on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together with confound because that every man heard and speak in his own language. Hey, this I call this the stirring. Hey, when God began to stir their spirit and God sent the spirit of the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other tongues. And I'm not going to go into tongues this morning, but that God gave them that gift so they could preach the gospel and everybody could hear in their own tongue. Amen. Hey, there was no confusion there. And the Bible, you know, so many times though we get confused or we get we, 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 don't, we don't understand the Holy Spirit. Let me be honest with you this morning. The Holy Spirit is something or, or a person that God gives us as a gift. Amen. Hey, he's part of the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, we need the Holy Spirit. Hey, we need his power. Hey, we need him to help us to be witnesses, to speak boldly. And we'll talk more about that in weeks to come. But I only see the, the stirring here. But after they get filled with the Holy Ghost... And I, I love this, this guy named Peter. He stands to the podium, so to speak, and he has the first sermon ever delivered in the first church. And um, I tell you, what I like about Peter is he reminds me of myself a little bit because Peter's one of those guys who can say something spiritual and then insert foot in the mouth in the same sentence. Amen? You ever been there? If you, if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She will verify all those statements. I, I, I can say something good, and then all of a sudden I mess it right up in the same sentence. But we see Peter, he, he, the first sermon ever preached, and the Bible says he preached. And as he preached, you know, I'm going to move over to chapter 2, verse 37. The Bible says this. Now when they heard this, I three preached, they were all pricked to the heart and said unto Peter to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Hey, he just preached the gospel for the first time, amen. And when he preached the gospel, everybody's like, what do we need to do? Hey, you know, brothers and sisters, every time the gospel's preached, hey, we should have a response. I mean, what shall we do? How do we respond to the gospel? If we're lost, we need to be saved. Hey, if we're saved and we need to be corrected, we need to respond accordingly. But every time it's preached, there should be a response, just like here. And then the Bible says in verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And with many wonders did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves for this untoward generation. Now think about what verse 41 says. Then he said, They gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now think about this this morning. The first message ever preached from the first church, 3,000 people get saved. Amen. That's a revival. Amen. I'd love to be a part of a church when we preach. Hey, 3,000 people become, they say, what shall we do? We tell them, hey, they need to repent. They need to be baptized, and they all get saved. And then it says this, and this is where discipleship kind of takes place, begins to shape. It says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And verse 43, it says, and fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And, and I want you to think about verse 44. It says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. As I think about being a church member, we're going to focus on in, a few, in the next few weeks, they had all things common. Hey, we're a part of the body of Christ. Amen. We'll look more of that in a few weeks. But it says the Bible in verse 45, And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. And every man had need, and they continued daily with one. Hey, they didn't just come on Sunday. They didn't just practice Christianity on Sunday. It was a daily lifestyle, amen. And daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness. And there did again, singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And here we go. And the Lord added to the church daily, such shall be saved. You know, a lot of churches, when they look for pastors, they look for a pastor because they want him to grow the church. Hey, let me be honest with you. There's no context in the Bible that says it's the, the, the pastor's job to grow a church. Amen. Hey, the Bible says in the Lord added to the church daily. Hey, it's his job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and many other things. But so many times as the church ain't growing, who we want to blame? It must be the preacher. He, you know, or if the church is growing, hey, it's the preacher. Hey, it's got nothing to do with the preacher. As, as long as he's preaching the gospel. Amen. If he's not preaching the gospel, there's a lot of problems doing with the preacher. But the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily. And then we see chapter 3. Peter heals this lame man. And in chapter 3, verse 11, he preaches the second sermon. And so we see one sermon, 3,000 souls get saved. And then the, then as begin to disciple people, the Lord added to the church daily, such to be saved. And then he preaches his second message after the lame man's healed in verse, or chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, And as they spake in the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now evening time. And verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So we see one message, hey, 3,000 get saved. They begin to discipleship. People begin to add to the church daily. And then another message gets, uh, when Jesus, or Peter preaches, 5,000 get saved. So we got over 8,000 in two sermons. And then, you know, anytime God shows up, the devil shows up right behind them. Amen. Hey, the religious elite didn't like it. Hey, they, they didn't like what was going on. Hey, they, 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 their religious system was proven to be wrong. And, you know, and so many times when God begins to move in a church, the religious people, the ones who like to keep the rules and, and, and check your, 
checked their boxes or crossed their eyes, and Dr. T said, oh, oh, hey, that, that's not, not lining up with us. And it, it, was, it, was, proven, it was proven what they, were, what they were doing were wrong, and so they put them in prison, the Bible says, and then they threatened them. If you go on to chapter 4, verse 21, I said we'll jump around a little bit. It says, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for which what was done. For the man was above 40 years old in whom this miracle healing was showed. Think about this. Hey, after this guy was healed, hey, everybody began to glorify God for what he was doing. Hey, let me ask you a question. When's the last time the world glorified God for what was God was doing in the local church? We don't see that anymore. And then, and then they, they were threatened. They were released. And, you know, think about this. They could have complained. They could have bellyached and said, look here, we did. We tried it. But they threatened us and we're going to quit. We're going to do, we're going to do, you know, and so many times Christians, we just give up because of roadblocks or because of people putting us down. But what did Peter and them do? Hey, the threatening turned into a revival service and a, and a prayer meeting. Amen. In verse 23, and, um, it says, and, and being let go, they were, their own company reported to all the chief and priest elders that said unto them, and they that heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. There it again. They're in one accord. And said, Lord, thou art which has made heaven and earth and the sea with all that in them is. Why by the mouth of thy servant David has said, who by the mouth of thy servant has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered against them, the Lord and against his Christ for the truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And granted thy servants that we, this is our prayer, that we with all boldness may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal and thy signs wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And the Bible says this, and they, were, they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Hey, hey, when they prayed, God showed up, amen, hey, and the place was shaken, and the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Did they speak in tongues this time? No, the Bible says they prayed to be, speak the word with God with boldness, and what did God do? He gave them the power to preach with boldness no matter who. Was going to tell them no. They preached it with boldness. And it's so important that we as a, as a child of God realize that God will give us power. Hey, to preach the word of God with boldness. You know, in America, our, our prayer meetings are not that exciting. You know, and, and I, when I think about the first prayer meeting in the, in the new church, in the first church, hey, God began to shake, but God began to send power, and God, people began to speak with boldness. But most of our prayer meetings, I haven't been one in this church, but I've pastored three churches and been part of many churches, and most prayer meetings is on Wednesday night. And what we do is we go over a sick list. And we spend more time praying people out of heaven and then praying people into heaven. And there's nothing wrong with praying with sick people. Don't get me wrong, but what we do is we, we want to spend a lot of time praying people out of heaven. Hey, but what about, when's the last time we prayed and we prayed and prayed, God, 
hey, save my neighbor, God save my friend, God save my sister, my brother, my dad, hey, my, my co-worker, and spent time praying people into heaven, amen. Hey, spend, and just spend time, say, Lord, I want you to move in a mighty way and give me the boldness to share the gospel, the good news with my neighbor, with my co-worker, with my friend. But so many times we don't, we don't pray that way, amen. But I wonder, and you wonder why God's not shaking the place up. Maybe we, we, we're not praying with power. We're not praying with, with sincerity like these folks were. They, they were. they were being threatened. And we see more about it because they'd be thrown into prison again. In verse 32, the Bible says, In the multitude of them that believed, here it again, I, I keep focused on their one heart and one soul. What do you mean by that? Why do they keep putting that phrase in there? Because they all had the same heart and passion. What's that? to preach the word of God, to see people saved, to see people discipled. And here again, they begin to sell their lands in verse 34. And even we find out where Barnabas, he sold his land. And as I said earlier, when God shows up, the devil shows up right behind him. So we move to chapter 5. So all these folks are selling the land in chapter 4. Hey, giving it to the apostles so everybody's needs can be met. And then there's this Husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira. You've heard probably many sermons on Ananias and Sapphira. Hey, they sold some land, but they kept some of it back. You know, they were impressed by everybody else giving all the money. They said, look here, we're going to do the same thing. Hey, but let's just hold a little bit back. Let's don't give it all to the church because we, we want to hold a little bit for our, for our little caddy. Amen. And then the Bible says that they went, you know, Ananias went in first. I don't know why they didn't go in together. But Ananias, when it, maybe the wife was embarrassed, but she fell with the lie later. But basically, this is I call this the scheming. And so they began to scheme, and then Ananias comes in, and, and you know, basically gives the money. He says in verse 2, it says, And he kept back part of the price, his wife also being privately to it, brought a certain part, laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remainest, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hurrying these things, or hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear become of all of them that heard you. Think about that. Think about this this morning. You know, we don't take up tithe here, but think about this morning. You write a check and you say, look here. I just tithed. What if you didn't tithe? What if you just, just kind of give a little bit over your abundance? Well, I'm not going to preach on tithe this week. But, but, but you, know, there's a, you know, some people interpret tithe different. And I know it's Old Testament. But the, the question is, how many times have we felt like we've done what we need to do, but God told us to give more? And then, you know, and then, 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 then you know, we, we kind of negotiate with the Lord you know, I, I wonder this morning if, 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 if God were to do like he did with Ananias and Sapphira, who would still be sitting here this morning? Now, that's, 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 that's kind of an eye-opener, amen? I tell you, so many times we, we think, hey, nobody would know. Peter and them didn't know, but God knew. That's all that, to me, that's important. I don't care if anybody else knows, God knows. God knows if I'm giving my best. God knows if I'm giving my all or if I'm keeping the best for me. Because, you know, think about it. You know, when, when 
And, you, and this may be different in this church, but a lot of times when things start going south financially, the first thing we cut out is our tithe. They never miss it. We cut it out. Gas prices are going up. You know, they, they understand it at the church because i got to go to church. So I might as well, I'm spending that extra. I, I remember, I never forget, and this is my dad, I never forget. He says, I don't tithe to the church. He said, I put gas in the bus. And I'm thinking, my, I told my dad, that's different. I mean, that's, that's but, it, but he didn't believe that. And so many times, well, I do this. I, do, I even had to, at one point, the people say, I, just, I, I tithe to the youth program. That's not tithing. That's designated. Tithing is giving it to the storehouse. But I'm not going to stay there. We, we move on. Amen. And then after all that happened, move to chapter 5, verse 11. The Bible says, And great fear come upon all the church, upon as many as heard these things, and they and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one, there he is again, one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst not, no man join himself to them. The people magnified them. And believers were the more added, there's again, the church is growing, were added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women, and so much they brought forth the sick with the streets, laid them on the beds and couches, that at least of the shadow that Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about under Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. You know, I wonder how many people come to churches in America every week and want help, amen, or looking for hope, or looking for a touch from God, but they leave hopeless. They leave without help, and they say, look here, the church is dead. The church is not powerful. Hey, the church that was in the early church can be the same church we're in today, amen. Hey, we serve the same God, hey, but we need to... Make sure we're operating in the power of God. You know, there's a lot of churches that know how to do church. You know, we have a guy that leads our music, Kent. He's very talented. And he probably could lead worship without leading in the power of God. Hey, there's a lot of guys that get in pulpit every Sunday morning that may be talented speakers. But the question, are they operating in the power of God? Hey, if we want God to move, Hey, we got to operate in his power and his strength. You know, as the church grew, all the apostles did was being obedient to what God said. Hey, go preach the, rock, God, the word of God with boldness. That's all God wants to do is preach the word of God with boldness. Now, after all this happens again, here we go. The devil shows up. He throws them in the prison again. The religious people are upset. In verse 17, then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which in the second of the Sadducees were filled with anger. They all got mad. They got upset. Hey, God's moving. Hey, God's, God's, God's doing a work, and everybody gets upset. I didn't forget my last church, and I'm just going to share this quick story. In my last church, this, where our church began to grow, and we, we finally got over 100, and we were going to two services, and this, and this older lady came to me, and she said, Do you hear that? And I'm thinking, Hear what? She said, you don't hear that? And I'm like, what? She said, those kids are running around our church building. And I was like, well, hallelujah, that means we're growing, not dying. She didn't like that answer, amen. <laughs> but, you know, but so many times we get so, you know, the early church didn't have a building. They just had church. We're the church, amen. It's glad that we have a nice facility. But, you know, when God begins to move, a lot of people will get, they're going to get upset. You know, as we began to grow, I never forget when we began to update the bylaws, people's like, hey, all these new members, we, we need to make sure that they don't have, that, you know, they can't serve on these committees. Well, why not? They're members just like you are. Well, 
I paid my dues, so to speak. Hey, there's no dues in the church, amen? Hey, when you get saved and you become a member of the church, and we'll talk more about that as we think about I'm a church member, but so many times we think there's, you know, we're in this club or we in this, we got, we got certain rights because we've been saved or we've been a member for 40 years. We have the, the gold membership, the platinum membership. Hey, that's in a visa card. Go get you a chase card, amen, so you can get all those points. Hey, there's no points when it comes to serving the Lord, amen. Hey, we, might, we will get crowns one day, but when it comes to the church, hey, it's all about us working together as one body in Christ. And so, as we begin, look over to chapter 5, verse 38. The Bible says this, and now, and that they're just getting written in prison. This, this guy begins to give them counsel. Talking about other people who've been raised up and, and it went to naught. And in verse 38 says, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. He said, look here, if it's from men, it'll come to naught. But verse 39 says, But if it be of God, you can't overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and they had called the apostles and beat them. And beating them, and they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let him go. Or let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing, and they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house they ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. Now think about that. They were beat, and they rejoiced for being beat. I was a kid, and I got beat. I never rejoiced. Amen. I never rejoiced from beating, but they rejoiced because. Hey, they got to suffer for the gospel. Hey, they got to suffer for sharing the gospel. And the Bible says they threatened them, they beat them, but they still did it. You know, we don't know what persecution is in American church. We know what rejection is sometimes when we try to share the gospel. But there's people that are killed. Hey, they're beaten daily for preaching the gospel. And we won't walk across the street. Hey, we won't walk into the workplace. We won't share it with our family in a non-persecuting way. Hey, it's so important. God's called us. And then, and, and then here we go. I love, I'm going to park right here just for a moment. In verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples were multitude, there arose a murmuring of Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected in daily ministration. Now think about this. Now the church was growing. We know there's over 8,000 people plus because the Lord added to the church daily. And then people began to complain. Well, I... You're taking care of this group and not taking care of my group. Now, I, I, they couldn't have been Baptists, amen. Baptists don't do that. Baptists just don't complain because they're showing favoritism. Or, or maybe you, you go over to their house and eat more than you at my house. You've been out to eat with them and you've not been out to with me, eat with me. Or, or you, you call them when they have a problem, but you don't call me. You know, or, 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 you know we can go with a number of things. So basically, as the church began to grow... There was some murmuring. There was some complaining within the body. As I said earlier, there was a lot of one accord, one mind, one soul. Now, as they grew, there were some growing pains. And it happens in every organization, amen? There's some growing pains. Like, like when a few years ago, I was, I was up to 261 pounds. There were some growing pains. My clothes didn't fit anymore. I, I used to ask my wife, I said, does this shirt make me look fat? She said, it's the belly. Not the shirt, it's the belly behind the shirt. There's growing pain sometimes. And then verse, verse 2, it says, The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we would leave the word of God to serve tables. He said, Look here, 
Our main focus is the word of God, ministering the word. And verse 3 says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of... Now think about this. Before I read this, this is the first qualifications and the first calling of the deacons. Before Paul even wrote, and Timothy and Titus, this is what they look for in a deacon. Number one, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. I want you to look at this last phrase. I don't know if you have a King James Bible, but this is what the King James says. Whom we may appoint over this, not the, but this business. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, hey, they're getting these deacons. They're ordaining them to take care of the widows, to take care of the, the Grecians, and take care of the Hebrews, to put over that business, not the business of the church. And, you know, I, was, I, I happened to be in the office this morning, and I looked at the bylaws of Washington Baptist Church, and it said this, uh, far and foremost, the deacon is a servant. Amen. Hey, these guys were called to serve the local church. They were called to be an extension of the pastoral ministry. They were called to help the apostles out. That was their business. That was their job. That was their calling. And then the Bible says this in verse 4, but we, but we will give ourselves. Why do we need these guys? Because we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministering of the word. Hey, that was their main focus, prayer and ministering the word. You know, when I was looking for a pastor, I had been a pastor in my family for over 20 years, and I become a director of missions or AMS, and I began to look for a pastor. And most people's like, what do you want in a pastor? I, I never, never had to find a pastor, amen, because I've always been the pastor. And, you know, and, you know, that I want a pastor that would call me all the time, Brother Kent, that I want a pastor that would come visit me when I was sick, that I want a pastor that do this and do that, go fishing with me. And, it's, and I bowled down to three things I wanted in a pastor. And you don't have to have the same three things, but I, this is what I want in a pastor. I want in a pastor someone who's been alone with God, who's been in God's Word, and has a word for me and my family. That's all I want in a pastor, amen? I, I want somebody, when he comes here on Sunday morning, he's been alone with God, he's been in God's Word, and he has a word for me and my family, Amen. Hey, that, that, that's what Peter said right here. He said, look here. Hey, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Hey, time with the Lord and ministering the word. Hey, getting in the word and then, hey, delivering the word. Hey, God's going to, now don't, don't mean, don't, don't take this and say that's the only thing a pastor should do. There's other things pastors should do, but the main thing, hey, is prayer and ministering. Wouldn't you want a pastor who's prayed up, who's been in God's word, and it has a word for you and your family. So every Sunday morning, hey, he's charged up. He's ready to go. And he's, he's, he's helping you get through the week because he's only here one, week, one day a week. Hey, he's helping you get through the next week. I want a guy just like that, that, hey, who's been alone ministering the word. But so many times we put so many expectations on pastors, hey, that they can't minister the word effectively. You know, some churches, pastors preach three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And if, if you've ever been a pastor or if you're a, Bible, or a Sunday school teacher or did a Bible study, most sermons are four to eight hours, minimal. So if you did four to eight hours, or just say eight hours times three, that's 24 hours. And if he worked a 40-hour week, that's six, that gives him 16 hours to visit, 16 hours to do these other things. I had a church member one time that says, well, you only work three hours a week. 
I told them that's about a half hour too much. Amen. But they think, they, they think, you know, we, you see you on Sunday morning, we see you on Sunday night, we see you on Wednesday. We only work three hours a week. There's a lot more going into the message than just three hours a week. Amen. You might just see me three hours a week, or you might see Brother Kent a couple hours a week, but hey, there's a lot that goes in to what God does here. But so many times we want, we want, we want to just complain, hey, well, well, you, you should have returned that phone call. Or you should have did that. Hey, it, you know, there's times that preachers will drop the ball. Amen. We're men. We're not superhuman. Hey, the best thing to do is just, hey, forgive us and let's move on. Let's just make restitution. Because so many times we want to we harbor stuff. But I'm, we're going to move on. The Bible says, so they ordained these guys or they, they laid hands on them. There were several guys. I'm not going to read the guys' names. But I want to read verse 6 and verse 7 of chapter 5. And I'm fixing to close at chapter 8. The Bible says this. Whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They laid hands on them. They prayed for them. And, and I, I love this verse right here. Just where I get excited. It says, And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to faith. Now think about this for a moment. Hey, as, as they begin to call the first deacons, amen, how many deacons we have here, active or inactive? Hey, when God called the first deacons, hey, the Bible said that the apostles spent time ministering the word and in prayer, but hey, when the deacons become deacons and deacons begin to serve, the Bible says, and the word of God increased, amen. Hey, when they become a team, begin to work together, the word of God increased. But it didn't stop there. It says that a number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, and a great come. The priest even got saved. Hey, they had to have a great revival when the priest started getting saved. Hey, because all the church began to work, and God began to move. Hey, people began you know, instead of adding to the church daily, they begin to multiply. Hey, I would love to be a part of a church that just only adds, hey, we learn how to multiply. Hey, man, we, we got enough division, enough subtraction. We need some addition and some multiplication in our churches. Hey, we, we need God to move in a mighty way as, 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 as the deacons and the leaders work together. That's the key, church. The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. And I want you to find this. Then there's another sermon. We see first sermon Peter preached, second sermon Peter preached, third sermon. The first deacon of the first church preached the message. And if you look at the same context, he preached the same message that Peter preached. He preached almost the same exact thing. If you look back in chapter 2, the same thing Peter preached. But there was a different response. If you look at chapter 7, Verse 54 says this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. When Peter preached the message, the Bible says they what? Were pricked to the heart and said, what shall we do? Hey, they didn't do that when the deacon preached. And, 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 and let, me, let me back up a minute. The first martyr of the first church was a deacon. I don't know if you ever, in, 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 the, in, in, in the first martyr, and, and he preached, and when you know the rest of the story, they stoned him to death, but he went into heaven, amen. He seen, the Bible says he's seen, he seen the, 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 um, the son standing by, in verse right here in verse 56, and he behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. 
And then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one. Hey, they stopped their ears. You know, how many times have, have you heard a preacher preach and he say something you don't like? And that's the only thing you remember the rest of the time. I used to have, I, I, I wear hearing aids if you know, and sometimes I don't pronounce words correctly. And I tell you, after pastoring three churches, I'd have people that wouldn't listen to anything. When I would pronounce a word wrong, they would meet me at the door. Brother, I just want you to know, it's not Judea, it's Judea. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, bl bless you, I appreciate that. But they didn't hear nothing else. They stopped their ears, basically. Hey, they, they got upset. And, and, you know, and the bad thing is, when we stop our ears, God may have something else for us. Hey, we need to just let bygones be bygones and move on. Hey, realize we're imperfect. Hey, when, when something happens, and, and it, he might miss a beat or something. Hey, just let it go. Hey, don't stop your ears because God might have a word for you. And I think so many times why God's not moving in our churches because we stop our ears and we, like, we don't like this guy or this guy just be, said something offensive or, or he, he don't know how to pronounce, he don't know how to talk right. He don't know. Just let God be God, amen. Open your ears. Amen. God's got a word for you. Amen. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna land right here in, in chapter 8. And then we're going to have a business meeting. Verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1. This is, and Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Apostle Paul later. It was right there at Stephen's death. And at the time, there was great persecution. Now persecution is very rapid. The devil began to show up even more because the church is growing. It says, great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Now think about this for a moment. In Acts chapter, eight, the first, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what did Jesus say do? He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. You should be witnesses where? Jerusalem, right? Hey, they, there was a great revival going on in Jerusalem, but they never left Jerusalem. And now the Bible says after persecution, they went, they went where? Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Hey, God began to use persecution, what? To push them out of Jerusalem. You know, and, and, and then I want you to look at the last verse I'm going to land on right here, verse 4 of chapter 8. It says this, Therefore they were scattered abroad when everywhere preaching the word. Now think about this. Who went everywhere preaching the word? You, was, you, you might say, well, Peter and the apostles. The Bible says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, amen. Hey, the church Went to Judea, Samaria, and said, what are you saying, preacher? Hey, it's our job as the church to go preach the gospel. It's not just your preacher's job. It's not just your staff's job. It's the church's job. Hey, it's our job to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Hey, it's God's called us as the church. Hey, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at church membership. And as God's called us to be a church and to be plugged in, amen, hey, to work together and be one body in Christ. The question is this morning, hey, is Wasmasaw Baptist Church, the church God is leading or are we leading the church? Hey, I want to do this as we close this morning. If you're a deacon or an active deacon, will you come to the, the altar this morning? If you would do that, I, I'm just asking, I don't know who you are. I'm going to ask Brother Kent to come. If you would, slip out from where you at this morning as we close this morning. Would you slip out from here if you're a deacon in this church? Either a, a serving deacon, a non-serving deacon. 
And I just want to, I want to ask you this morning, if you'd come around the altar this morning before we, before we close in a word of prayer. First of all, we, you know, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you're lost this morning, hey, you've heard the gospel. You need to be saved. But I, I want to do this this morning. And, and, and not, not only am I asked the deacons that come, the Bible says when they were murmuring, disputing, that they laid hands on them, amen. And I know this is a COVID world. But I want, I want, if you feel led this morning, will you come and just pray with our deacons this morning as we close this morning? Would you slip out? If you're a member of Wakamasaw Baptist Church, will you come and just pray for these deacons this morning? Would you come? Would you slip out where you're at right now and come? Would you come? And, and I'm, I'm going to close somewhere to pray, but would you come and let's lay hands on these guys? Hey, because, hey, these are the, the leaders God's called to serve you. And you say, well, I don't like my deacon. I didn't ask you if you like him, amen. Hey, if you don't like him, get with him at the church and make it right. Hey, let's get together and let's just pray for these, these men. Hey, I'm, I'm going to pray for Brother Kent. Hey, these are the leaders God's called here at Wasmasaw. And the Bible says when they work together, the word of God will increase and the disciples will multiply. Hey, I want to be a part of a multiplying disciple-making church. Amen. And I believe Wasmasaw does. And I encourage you, hey, let's pray for these guys like we never have before that God will move in a mighty way. I just can't wait to see what God's going to do here. And anybody else need to slip out this morning? Anyone else? I'm going to close. Amen. The, the Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord, for the leaders. We thank you for the deacons. Lord, we thank you, Brother Kent. Hey, Lord, we thank you for the next pastor you're going to call here. Lord, Lord I just, I just ex am excited about what you did in the early church. But, Lord, what you did there, you can do here, Lord. It's just the leaders working together, operating your power, your strength. Lord, I ask you, God, to be the each and every deacon that's here this morning. Lord, be the each and every person that's praying for the deacon. Lord, I ask you, God, First of all, they'd be full of the Holy Ghost, Lord. They'd be led by your spirit, Lord, by your power, Lord. They'd be of honest report. Lord, they would be men who are with wisdom, Lord. When, you know, the early church, they brought the deacons to bring unity, to bring harmony, to begin to extend the ministry, Lord. And we see that the word of God increased and the disciples multiplied. Lord, I ask you, God, this church would be just like the New Testament church, Lord, to be operating in your power. And, Lord, when we have a prayer meeting, Lord, you would move. And, Lord, you'd shake us up, you'd wake us up, Lord, and we'd go as a church to speak the word of God with boldness. Lord, I ask you, God, these things would happen, Lord. Lord, I ask you, God, you'd help us to live by faith, Lord, to be obedient to what you have, Lord. For someone here this morning, when we sing in a few moments, if they're lost, Lord, I ask you, God, you'd draw them to you. Lord, I ask you, God, you'd draw them to an altar where they're broken. They need you, Lord. And they'd be saved, Lord. We just thank you and praise you. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.